0: Welcome to Medieval, and thanks for joining us. Fifteen days into the month of March 493 AD, the Germanic Odoacer lies dead on the floor of Ravenna's Banquet Hall, struck on the head by the sword of Theodoric himself. This time, there were no hired assassins involved. It was a personal murder, and an unexpected one brought about by cruel treachery and hunger for power. There began Theodoric's reign over the Italian peninsula in the form of Ostrogothic Kingdom. Theodoric had been born just after the Goths destroyed the Huns at the Battle of Nedeo, putting an end to the Hunnic territorialization of Europe. He was an Ostrogoth but had received an excellent Roman education at the court of Constantinople, where he was held captive as a child. Making Ravenna his capital, Theodoric settled about 250,000 of his people in Italy. He sought to restore the glory of Rome, but most Roman inhabitants despised the Ostrogoths and saw them as dictators, using military force to hold hegemony over the peninsula. In order to maintain the laws and institutions of Rome, he did not dispose of traditional Roman government and administration and chose to instead assimilate it into his own system of ruling. All previously used political offices of the Romans were kept, including the Senate and consuls, and he filled these ranks with Roman-born men. However, this in no way meant that the Romans and Ostrogoths were united. In fact, Theodoric practically failed to merge both populations and there was a sort of invisible line between both ethnic groups. He divided the population and land under different laws. There was a Roman domain, occupying two-thirds of the kingdom's territory, whilst the Ostrogoths took the rest. The Roman Italians were administered by Roman officials, and the Ostrogoths continued their normal customs with different officials and authorities. Thus a strong friction was present between the Germanic and Roman peoples, which was in part founded upon the difference between their religions. The Ostrogoths were Aryan Christians, who had been converted from the traditional paganism at an earlier date, whilst the original inhabitants of Italy mainly fell into the category of Roman Catholicism. Western Christians saw the Aryan Ostrogoths as heretics, or in other words, non-Christians. King Theodoric was, on the other hand, very tolerant of other forms of his religion, and freely extended protection to the Roman Catholic Church he still recognized Rome as the eternal city, a sacred place to be respected. The idea of civilitas, meaning law, order, civilization, and peace, was highly revered in Theodoric's court, which, despite Theodoric being illiterate, was generally quite civilized. Even though the king was a dangerous man, having gained his power through the military, he still recognized that the Eastern Emperor was his overlord, and that his kingdom was a client state of Constantinople. This superiority of the Eastern Romans did not inhibit the ability of the Ostrogothic kingdom to be independent, and for negotiations between Zeno and Theodoric to be held as if the two were equals. After all, Theodoric's ultimate mission was to have a peaceful relationship between the Romans and Goths. But this was only peace. Intermarriage between Romans and Goths was strictly disallowed. Only Goths served in the army of the kingdom, whilst the Romans were not even allowed to bear arms under Theodoric's rule. Theodoric brought the territory of the Ostrogoths to its zenith, stretching from France to Serbia. Forging alliances with other barbarian tribes, he cut off the expansion of the Jepid tribe, preventing them from expanding into the Danube lands and forced the Franks and Burgundians to withdraw from the Mediterranean coast. In order to increase his influence in Africa, he arranged a marriage between his sister Amalafrida and Thrasymund of the Vandals. As a patron of art and architecture, Theodoric funneled money into the restoration of cities and monuments in Italy, and he repaired the roads and aqueducts which made up the majority of Italy's infrastructure. Furthermore, he commissioned the building of several new monuments in Ravenna, including a mausoleum and palace. There were also several churches that sprung up in Ravenna during his reign. You can even still see the remains of them today. Although Theodoric was a violent army man, he was a good leader. An anonymous Latin author nicely sums up Theodoric. Theodoric was a highly distinctive leader with good intentions towards everybody, and he governed for 33 years. For thirty years Italy was so prosperous and his successors inherited peace as whatever thing he did was good. Therefore, he ruled over two civilizations, Romans and Goths, and despite being Arian, he never threatened the Catholic religion. He arranged plays in the circus and in the amphitheater, and the Romans likened him to one of the great emperors, and the Goths considered him to be the best for his edict in which he established justice. He is said to have died in August of 526, and was buried in an amazing tomb, another monument which you can find in Ravenna if you ever take a visit. Theodoric was succeeded by his grandson Athalaric. After the death of Theodoric, the Ostrogoths had to face off Emperor Justinian's wars in Italy from 535 to 552, which destroyed the urbanized Rome even more and wrecked the lands of the peninsula. And there's more. Last time, we talked about how Odoacer, the first king of Italy, destroyed the Rugians. Unfortunately, this would have lasting consequences for Italy following the death of Theodoric. Without the Rugians as a buffer, a gap was open for the Langobards or Lombards to invade Italy, which would actually happen in later decades. By 568, the harsh Lombard rulers had taken over Italy. They regularly fought against each other, causing weakness in their rule and allowing the Byzantines to continue holding some land in Italy. But that's enough spoilers for this episode. You'll have to wait until the next few episodes to find out what happens next. This episode is dedicated to Andrew Couch, a loyal backer on Patreon. If you'd like to keep the show running and ad-free, then consider becoming a member. Patrons have access to bonus episodes and articles, sneak peeks, shoutouts, and other rewards. The link is in the description below. I'm immensely grateful to everyone who helps out, but if you don't have the money right now, don't feel pressured to contribute. Should you have any questions you'd like me to answer, please email them to medievalpodcast at outlook.com or contact me through my website. That's it for today, but I'll see you soon for more episodes of Medieval. Thanks for listening.